Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So Shane, welcome back. Thank you for joining us here on a Monday and looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you, as always. So, Shane, perhaps we can begin with a domestic topic, and I'm sure by now our listeners are aware or have heard about the leaked Supreme Court opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade. What has the reaction to this leak consisted of on both sides of the aisle, and what might be some implications of this development still ongoing to the midterm elections in November? Yes, uh, this leaked draft of uh, Supreme Court opinion, which will be released uh, probably the end of next month, um, the, this leaked draft uh, sets out the opinion to overturn the landmark 1972 Roe v. Wade decision. And it has generated loud reactions in Washington and across the country, uh, though it seems uh, it remains to be seen what impact the expected decision will have on this year's midterm elections. You know, activists on both sides of the issue uh, have been featured prominently on cable TV and and in national protests, but their positions and political allegiances are largely known quantities. Uh, The bigger question is how swing voters will react. A swing voter, you know, someone who votes reliably but is not strongly committed to uh, either of the parties. Uh, their dissatisfaction with President Biden over the year has, has given Republicans momentum um, in the past few months. And, you know, uh, that's why you hear a lot of chatter about Republicans regaining the House and potentially the Senate in this year's midterm election. But what we don't know is, will this decision slow that momentum? Um, because it will you know, possibly turn out more voters for Democrats. I think that, you know, there are a lot of issues, obviously, in in play besides um, this uh, Supreme Court decision, you know, whether it be inflation, Ukraine, border security, etc. So, you know, this does present Democrats with an opportunity here to go on the offensive, which is something they, you know, cl- uh, clearly and desperately needed. But uh, it's not clear at this moment if this will give them the political advantage in the fall. So pivoting a bit, the impacts of inflation, of course, continue to be felt by both consumers as well as business owners across the country. I understand, Shane, that Senate Democrats have taken aim at major credit card companies for raising charges to merchants during this period of heightened inflation. What can you share with us, Shane? This hearing was held in the Senate and was in that vein of inflation inflation um, and, you know, how to shame companies to an extent. Um, so senators used uh, the hearing as, a, as an opportunity to badger, you know, Visa and MasterCard for increasing the interchange fee, um, which is that what they charge retailers on uh, transactions. According to one study cited at the hearing, retailers paid almost $85 billion in these uh, swipe fees to credit card companies in 2020. Um, and, you know, so this hearing uh, followed other hearings over the last month that targeted oil and gas, meat, meat packing industries for higher prices. So thematically, you see this is how Democrats are trying to um, show that they're concerned and working towards in addressing inflation fears. You know, I'm not sure that it will actually resonate with uh, voters. 
but it, it's going to be something that Democrats uh, will continue to pursue. Uh, but I think the main thing for us to recognize is that it's unlikely to really um, uh, uh, impact any legislative changes that therefore, you know, uh, have any impact on future price increases. OK, well, thank you for bringing us up to speed on that development, Shane. So maybe we can look overseas a bit, continue our coverage of the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war. I know today Russia is celebrating Victory Day, which marks Russia's defeat of Germany in World War II. And this, of course, as the conflict is continuing in Eastern Europe. So how is Russia marking the event this year? And what's the latest on additional USA to Ukraine, Shane? I know we've spoken about that in recent weeks. Yes. Um, so that's, that's right. And, you know, I think what's getting lost a little bit is we're hearing, um, victory day parades in Russia. And, you know, it has nothing to do with, uh, Russia trying to proclaim victory in Ukraine. Although President Putin of Russia is really trying to, you know, um, personify, you know, uh, a strong, uh, Russian impact in Ukraine. Um, but, you know, that's right. This is the 77th anniversary of, the defeat of Nazi Germany at the end of World War II. Um, so, you know, Russia is not the only country celebrating and honoring, um, you know, the defeat of the Nazis. But, you know, theirs is obviously a little bit more different than, say, France's or United Kingdom's um, honoring of this day. You know, there, Russia is holding, you know, a full military parade in Moscow and other uh, major cities. It is very interesting that, you know, there were supposed to be uh, flyovers with, you know, uh, a number of jets, you know, MiGs and other um, military aircraft, but all of that was canceled. So there's obviously speculation to why that was. Um, but, you know, uh, I think, you know, what you're seeing from Russia in these um, celebration day is, you know, trying to show a strong support, uh, not only for um, Russia and their actions in Ukraine, but, you know, President Putin, um, you know, and, and, you know, I think what we can continue to acknowledge at this point is that, unfortunately, the war in Ukraine um, is not going to end anytime soon. You know, the positioning of today's uh, victory parade continues to show that, you know, Vladimir Putin is not backing down. Okay, so some interesting takeaways there. So thank you for that, Shane. So maybe as we begin to close out, coming back stateside, revisiting our lead up to the midterm elections, the primary elections across the U.S., uh, those have commenced since we last spoke. Now, of course, still very early on in this process, though, of what we've seen thus far, anything notable or telling about the outcomes? Yeah, no, last Tuesday was kind of the first uh, big one that a lot of... Uh prognosticators were following it was the big one was in ohio the senate race um where um jd vance uh, prevailed on the republican side and he was endorsed by former president trump so a lot of people uh are pointing to that to show president trump's strength uh at least in ohio you know and uh indiana there was primaries as well and um you know there's one interesting um house primary that uh, i i saw um, for an open seat in the ninth district where Mike Sodrell, the Freedom Caucus aligned um, Republican, uh, lost to Aaron Hochin, who would probably be your more, you know, conservative mainstream Republican will say, while Mike Sodrell's endorsement by the Freedom Caucus is kind of Trump aligned. So, 
you know, maybe it's not a pure victory, but I think uh, we have another uh, primary tomorrow in West Virginia where it is uh, there is a Republican versus Republican primary uh, where one is Trump endorsed and another is a very conservative uh, Congressman McKinley. Uh, but, you know, um, he is being tacked as the rhino in Trumpian terms. So, you know, we, we're having a lot of push and pull within the Republican Party to see, you know, at the end of the day, are, are they full in for Trump or are they starting to move away? And, you know, as you're seeing mixed results, um, you know, and there are upcoming, further upcoming primaries that everyone's going to read into them maybe a bit too much. But I think what we're seeing is, you know, there is some distancing from President Trump within the Republican Party, but you know, as this Ohio primary for Senate shows, you know, there are still uh, health contingents that are um, in full support of President Trump. So, you know, I don't think uh, this will be resolved by one primary uh, result. It, it, it's, there are many more to come. And so it, I don't think either uh, side will be able to claim full victory in the sense of either the, the Republican Party is still in lockstep with President Trump or has walked away from, I think we're going to see mixed results um, this year in, in Republican primaries. Well, it will be interesting to see how these primary races take shape in the weeks to come. And thank you, Shane, for sharing some early observations there. More we can track, though. Uh, thank you, Shane, for dropping by here on a Monday to keep us up to speed on a range of important developments within our own borders, but as well overseas. Plenty here we'll follow up on and wish you a great week ahead, Shane. We'll catch up soon. Thank you again. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you as always. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Uh, just a quick reminder that our listeners, as well as our clients, can reference the latest Washington Weekly publication up on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tune in, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements 
clients, it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.